Let me welcome all of you who are joining us for our first live stream worship. I'm just so delighted and honored that you would allow me to come into your home and wherever you may be gathered. Listen, you're watching this uh, live stream worship with tons of people across the bay, across the nation and beyond. But the most important thing I want you to remember today is that as you look at me and I'm looking back at you, this teaching moment, this time is really my talking to you and to whoever may be gathered in the room with you. Today I want to launch a brand new series called The Radical Us. And I want to look at what is radical about the faith of believers, particularly in crisis-filled times like we're living through. So join me as I read this text uh, from Psalms 46, just the first couple of verses. Listen to the psalmist. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Lord, I ask that you'd pour your spirit out, not just on me, but on all that are listening. Would you connect this teaching moment with where people are living, the issues in their lives, and bring a word that empowers and enlightens. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, really, our teacher is the psalmist. And the first thing he wants to teach us as we think about navigating this very crisis-prone time that is causing us to radically change our lives, it comes from the fact that he looks out at the world in front of him and he reminds us of the instability that's built into the world and to creation itself. We live in a fallen world. Listen to how he describes it. He says, we will not fear even when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. That's pretty dramatic. That's pretty frightening stuff. He's reminding us about the instability of life. He's not just simply talking about the cosmos or creation, really. He is, he's also describing, I bet you, how you have felt from time to time, if not now. The, the psalmist is saying, it's possible one day we're standing on just solid ground. And then the next moment, that solid ground gives way to an unexpected massive earthquake. Just comes out of nowhere. He's suggesting that it's possible for us one day to be looking at a majestic, beautiful mountain that has been there for centuries. And then out of nowhere, to see it crumble into the sea. He's describing a bit how we feel. I mean, I'm sure you can relate to this notion of waking up one day feeling like you're on top of the world. You're perhaps just falling in love, your career is going exactly the way that you've been working for over the course of the years. Everything is just right. And then the next day you awaken, there's some crisis, there's some disruption, there's some sickness, and suddenly it feels like 
the world is sitting on top of you. Last weekend, we dedicated one, a beautiful eight-month baby, only for his parents to take him from here to Stanford Hospital to endure a life-threatening surgery, of which, thank God, he did survive, but is now recovering, and the parents are asking for our prayers. But can you imagine the day that he was born, the joy that filled the lives of those parents, they felt like they were on top of the world. And then just a few weeks later, they get this horrendous news that he was born with two aortas and that he's going to require this life-threatening surgery. Suddenly, it felt like the world was sitting on top of them. I know you can relate to this. I just had a couple of partners a day or two ago. I found out they went to sleep fully employed. But amidst all of the massive shutdowns and cancellations, when they awakened the next day, they had no job. They don't know whether that's going to be the case for the next week, for the next month, a month into the future. The world has sat on top of them. You get that. There's an instability about life. We can never fully put 100% in life around us. And yet the psalmist says, we will not fear. So the point here is don't be cynical or fearful at this moment. Uh, I'm not calling you to become depressed. Actually, what, what this moment demands of us is simply we distinguish between what matters most and what matters less. Even as I say that, that you and I need to distinguish in this moment between what matters most, what matters less. There's some thoughts that are coming in your mind that God is giving you real revelation. You're, you're thinking about perhaps the family or friends that you're sitting in the room with, and you're thinking about, you know, I need to focus on what matters most. Perhaps it's a phone call you had with an adult child, or perhaps you reached out uh, just a day or two ago and reconnected with a friend that you haven't talked to for months or maybe a year or two because you guys had some major falling out. You're thinking about what matters most or perhaps it's a dream that God has planted deep in your heart and you just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. But right now God is saying this is the season when you think about what matters most. What matters most? The psalmist is teaching us that at the end of the day, when the world comes in glue, it may catch us off guard, but when we settle, people of faith, it really doesn't surprise us because when the question is asked, why are all these horrible things, the coronavirus, locusts swarming into East Africa, monkeys filling the streets of Thailand, why? Well, people of faith, we've got an answer. This answer is very simple. We're living in a broken world. And second lesson that the psalmist teaches us is this notion that comes from him looking out past the border of his nation, Israel, and looking at the other nations. And he suggests to us, as we read the breadth of this passage, that really in times of crisis, actually two groups of people emerge. 
And the real question for you as you listen to me today is which group are you in and which group do you want to be in? You listen to the psalmist as he, as he, as he describes the world as he sees it beyond the borders of Israel in verse chapter, in, in, six, in verse 6. And he says, the nations are in chaos and the kingdoms which represent power structures and cultural paradigms are crumbling. And one might ask, why are nations in, para- in, 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 why are nations in chaos and, 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 and kingdoms crumbling in a time of trouble? It's because there is a, uh, there, there, there is a category of people who, when trouble comes, Life is full of fear and empty of faith. And when all you have is fear, it ultimately, sometimes it encourages you to turn on one another because the only thing that really matters is the almighty me. So rather than turning to each other, we turn on one another. As an example, my uh, senior assistant came and told me uh, on yesterday that she was in Safeway, standing in long lines. And a verbal altercation broke out between two people over where they were supposed to be, you know, who was in whose place. And it kind of got loud. And finally the lady looks at the guy and she says to him, I hope you catch the virus. Can you imagine? That's what happens when your life is full of fear and empty of faith. I hope you catch the virus. And then I got another report. I got another report where uh, at one gun store, I'm talking about in San Jose, California, lines stretched out of the door. Can you, can you imagine in our homes during this time, our homes are full of uh, guns, toilet paper, and chicken. Pretty fascinating. That's what happens when our lives overflow with fear and empty of faith. Guns and toilet paper. I'm reminded of a humorous joke I read, uh, but it makes a very serious point. A young man wrote on Facebook, he said, people these days are not shaking hands because they are afraid of catching the coronavirus. He says, I'm not shaking hands because folk are running out of toilet paper. It's kind of humorous. It's true. We're trying to control the very little thing that we have. Guns and toilet paper. And yet, in that same verse 6, when uh, the psalmist says, he sees the nations are in chaos and kingdoms are, are, are crumbling, He also says, but the voice of God thunders and the earth melts. But but because these are people who have no faith, they don't believe that there is is a divine reality standing behind them in the midst of eternity. All they hear is thunder. They do not hear the voice of God. Are you in that group? Dr. King has a word in this moment for all of us. He says, either we will learn to live together as brothers, and I'll add as sisters, or we will perish together as fools. So that's the one group, full of fear 
empty of faith. Are you there? The one group. No sense of a divine reality that ultimately has the last word. Are you there? Well, God is trying to get your attention today. And then the psalmist calls our attention to another group that emerges. It's, it's really his own community. This is what he, he's talking about this community in the first couple of verses. And, and really throughout the breadth of, the, of, the, of, the, of this chapter, when he, 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 he reminds us that a people of faith, while we're not perfect and we always get, we can get things messed up, in a crisis, when, when the mountains are crumbling into the sea, the first thing we become aware of is what I simply want to call the, the interconnectedness of we. Listen to what he says. For we will not fear. For the Lord is our refuge and strength. Now, Israel, the psalmist nation, was not a perfect nation by any means. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know it had tons of different groups and differing groups. They had rich people and poor people. That's why you repeatedly read throughout the Old Testament God saying to them, take care of the poor and the widow and the fatherless. They had the native born and the foreigners. That's why you continue to hear God say, uh, uh, remember the strangers among you because there's some tension going on. You had the, the northern tribes feeling like they're being overtaxed and the southern tribes are getting away with everything. That led to a civil war. That's why you got first and second kings and first and second chronicles and two sets of two sets of kings that's being assessed and yet what the writer tells us is that when mountains are crumbling into the sea all that stuff steps to the background and we lay claim to the to the interconnectedness of we we're in this thing together together why don't you try saying that why don't you just say we we not me we and when we're in this thing together, we realize we need each other. And so people of faith, when you're standing in a line and somebody cuts in front of you, you understand here's probably a life that's full of fear and empty of faith. But because you know the one who stands behind the dim mist of eternity, who holds sway over the future and the present, you can just simply back up and be generous and hospitable hospitable and have empathy and sympathy and care because we need each other. And while God thunders in verse 6, I believe that in verse 1 and 2 and throughout the rest of the passage, he, he whispers to his people in times of crisis. And you know what I think he whispers the most? He whispers, ask it, ask it, ask it. Ask what? Ask, what can I do to help? To become a part of the hope in the world. To become a part of God's redemption plan. What can I do 
to hell. That's what God, see the text says that, 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 that God is our refuge and strength and watch the, how, how the verse continues. He's always uh, 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 available to help us in times of trouble and one of the ways he helps us in times of troubles is sometimes he reveals to us how we are part of the problem. And another way that he helps us in times of trouble, sometimes he reveals to us, if we would dare listen for his whisper, how we can be a part of the solution. I'm thinking right now about a young man by the name of Zion Williamson. He's 19 years old, makes $10 million a year. He's a phenom freshman player on the New Orleans Pelican basketball team. And he did something that was pretty fascinating and shocking for a 19-year-old. You see, the NBA shut down the entire season, at least for the next 30 days, and these arenas are kept functioning uh, day in and day out by regular, everyday people. They don't make million-dollar salaries. Uh, they are, they're, they're, they're on, uh, you know, uh, simply uh, everyday wages. They're security people, and they're tending to the concession stands. They're opening the elevators. They're janitors. But I think this young man heard God whisper, ask it, ask it, ask it. Ask, what can I do to help? And so ultimately, he steps forward and he says, look, uh, uh, we're connected. These people who keep this arena going, they, they, they support what I do and I support what they do. We're, we're connected. We, we need each other. So I'm going to pay the salaries of all these people at least for the next 30 days until we can figure something out. And that practice is, being, is happening all around the country at different arenas with owners and basketball players. It is as phenomenal as the outbreak of the coronavirus. It's the awareness we're connected, hearing the whisper. These people may or may not, I don't know whether these are Christian or not, but I guarantee you that action, it aligns with the whisper of God. Are you in that group? Do you hear God whispering, saying, ask it, ask it, ask it? You know, middle schoolers and high schoolers, God is saying, ask it, ask it, ask it. Every day you ought to wake up and say, hey, mom, hey, dad, how can I help? You're part of a company, you should be at, how can I help? This week, I'm going to meet with our team, and I'm so grateful. They've worked around the clock for the last several days to make sure we could be uh, online today. They've done a phenomenal job. But this week, I'm going to sit with them, and I'm going to ask them, you know, how can we, the resources that NBCC has, how can we help? Maybe we ought to pay attention to the thousands of kids in the Bay Area who some of them only eat two meals a day and that's when they're at school and they're out of school. Maybe we should try to figure out, can we help there? Maybe we should think about the churches who are not able to go online and they can't maintain their given base. Perhaps we should ask, can we help there? How can we help? That's the question that God wants people of faith asking because we know that he's our refuge. He's our strength. Let me close here. Why don't you just say this again? How can I help? Let me suggest that you join us at NBCC as we seek to extend our reach of love in this period of time. First of all, let me suggest wherever you are in the country, across the world, in the Bay, wake up tomorrow and let's practice prayer. 
Pray that God will give wisdom to the medical officials and the government folk as they're trying to lead us forward. But not just that. Pray for peace to stimulate the atmosphere so that people who work together. But then I want to ask you to take another step. This is a bold step of prayer. It's something that Pat Gelsinger, who is the CEO of the, of the third largest software company in the world, says that he does from time to time. As you move throughout the day, you see people who are stressed out and, and, and really don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Just simply ask them, do you mind if I have a word of prayer with you from my prayer tradition? You know, prayer is pretty powerful. And you don't have to pray a long time. Eight out of ten of them, I bet, will say yes. And if they're anxious, just simply ask God to send peace. If they are sick, simply ask God to heal them. If they, if they are without jobs, they're in need of resources, ask God to be a way out of no way and provide for them. Just, just quickly and softly pray. And then I want to challenge you. Join our outreach effort. You know, there are people who are tucked away in corners of fear and and isolation, who would probably never come to a building like this, but if you send them the link to our live service next weekend, in their pajamas, they will watch, and perhaps they'll discover some hope. And then lastly, as you go throughout the day, I just simply want you to be praying and asking God, how can I serve as I move forward? Maybe you just go to that room that has all that toilet paper in there and pick three or four of those big things of toilet paper and just go down and, and make sure your next door neighbor has some toilet paper. How can I serve and be blessed? Let me end here. One of my favorite parts of Psalms 46 is when the psalmist says in chapter, in verse 4, uh, he says, listen, uh, there is a river whose streams make, bring joy to the city of God. He's talking about Jerusalem as the city of God. And during the days of Hezekiah, uh, because he was afraid that the Syrian was going to uh, attack them and cut them off from food and water, he built the reservoir up the east and northern part and, and built uh, a, a really kind of like a river beneath the wall, beneath the streets, it came back up in the center of the city. And we call that the Pool of Siloam. And when they were being attacked, uh, uh, that the people could still be refreshed and renewed by the water that was coming up from under the streets of the city. It, it was a way the psalmist was saying, look up and realize that, that, that God is not just out there, but, 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 but God desires to move into the interior of our lives. And, and you and I have to figure out how to, how to tap God beneath the surface of our lives. He's there. Here's what Jesus says. Anyone who believes in me, chapter 7 of the Gospel of John, and anyone who believes in me and is thirsty, let them come to me and rivers of waters will come out from you. You're saying, if you know me, I've put my spirit in you. And in the chaos of the era, I can, I can do an inside job of peace on the inside. You say, well, how do I get access to that? Well, the psalmist concludes with some really great advice. Here's what he says in the words of God. Be still. Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. So here's my final challenge to you as you go throughout this week. Throughout each day, just practice a few moments of being still. 
Just quietly ask God, says, God, I would like for your spirit to overtake me. Would you just manifest your power and your presence and your peace? Would you just, just, just manifest it in my life? And then you rise up out of that place. And what do you do? You go serve. You go pray for others. You go extend the good news. And then it is true, the rest of that verse, when God says, I will be honored among the nations. I will be honored throughout the world. How? Through you, through me, and through us. In this time of challenge, we will be a people of faith who will not fear, even though earthquakes come and the mountain crumble into the sea. Amen. I want to finish by praying for you. And uh, here's what I'd like to suggest. Wherever you are, if you just hold your hands lightly in front, that just shows that you're participating in this prayer moment with me. Let us pray. God, I just thank you. I thank you for those who are watching. And I thank you for technology. But the good news is, beyond technology, your spirit is present with them in those rooms, in those places. And as they hold open their hands, they have needs. Some of them just simply need you to confirm for them that you love them, that you're with them. Some of them want to open their hearts right now and say, Lord Jesus, will you just move into my interior? And as they do, would you just do that, God? In Jesus' name. There are some who are feeling sick. They're not feeling their best. I'm praying for healing. There are others worried about what tomorrow will bring. But would you just reinforce for them that you hold tomorrow in your hands and that you are with them and ahead of them and you will walk them through the valley out on the other side and you'll make a way out of no way for them. Would you do that, God? Would you do that? I know you're anxious to do it. All, all we need to do is ask, so we're asking now. Thank you that all over the country and all over the bay, you're moving right now. You're touching, you're blessing, you're delivering, you're liberating, you're healing. I give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Hey, it has been the bomb hanging out with you guys today. Can't wait to see you next week as we continue this series, The Radical Us. God bless you.